Andy Carrier telling us that God was faithful yesterday. He's faithful today. And they plan on him being faithful tomorrow. They can rely on him. And like she said, I'm not sure what for learning patience or what we're learning here, but I know one thing. We're trusting. That's a huge step. Let's, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Let's play a Christmas party game, shall we? So why don't you help me out with this here as the lyrics come on the screen. Name the title to this Christmas song. Round, yon, virgin, mother and child. Just go ahead and yell it out. Yeah, I'm not sure what I heard, but I think Silent Night was in there somewhere, okay? How about, a child shivers in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. Do you hear what I hear? Do you, do you at all? Because what I hear is CPS should be called on those people because they're not bringing blankets to the child that's freezing. Okay, God and sinners reconciled. Yes, someone said it. Hark the herald angels sing. How about, this is probably more of our, our crowd. She'd been drinking too much eggnog and we begged her not to go. <laughs> Grandma got run over by a reindeer. You guys knew that. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, last one. Peace on earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all gracious king. It's a hard one. It came upon a mid. Join me. Come on. Very clear. Yeah, I'm no Harry Belafonte here, but uh, come on. So, you know, look at that lyric for a second. Throw that back on there. It talks about uh, having this peace on earth. That's kind of an idea that's been around Christmas for a long time, hasn't it? As long as you've been alive and I've been alive, that around this season, like, we should put aside our indifference, we should put aside our pain, put aside our problems, put aside our hectic schedule and the stress of finances and, and the family strain and the schedule crunch and the travel hassle and just say, peace, man, right? Like, is peace, is it supposed to be here? Because I'm supposed to be experiencing peace this season. But here's the thing that's going on in life is that we've replaced peace, I think, with a fast-paced Christmas. And it's, it's made me wonder if this whole idea of peace is a farce, if it's fake. If it's just some concept of man that had this idea that we should have peace on earth and put aside our indifference and put aside our pain, put aside our problems, and, and just maybe for the next 30 days, we can actually live and love with one another. January, we can get back to bickering, but for December, let's try to play it cool right now. I know your Christmas looks like my Christmas. It's chaotic. I got like things to build for my kids downstairs still. You know, they're just still down there in boxes, ready to be built kind of thing. They'll probably be there on the 25th, ready to be built as well. Uh, I got all sorts of cards to write, thank you cards and, and uh, Christmas card stuff just to say hello to people. Uh, there are gifts that I'm still waiting on to be delivered. There's some things that I still need to purchase. There are people to see. There's parties to go to. My schedule and your schedule is probably very, very hectic. And so my question is, as I look to this season and I hear that I'm supposed to have peace, I'm wondering... How do you get it? Where is it? Like, how do I get it? And where is it? Because I looked into the scriptures. That's the place where I should go probably as a pastor, right? The scriptures. I looked to the scriptures and I looked at that phrase, peace on earth. Like, where is it said that we'll have peace on earth? And here's what Jesus said. He talked about it one time only in the scriptures is this phrase used. He said, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Merry Christmas from Jesus right there. Right? You put that on your next Christmas card, will you? I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. Right? And what I'm discovering is that God has never once guaranteed peace on this earth. You can't find that in the scriptures. This is a kind of a man-made concept. 
that we should have peace around this season. As a matter of fact, guys, the world has never known peace before. 3,500 years of human history, there's been 286 years of peace, and those end up being consecutive years. We just don't know what, it like, what it's like to just have peace of mind, peace of heart. And I, I just think about the time when Jesus was born a couple thousand years ago. The world was like crippled with fear of the Romans and their oppressiveness. There was anxieties that existed in the Christmas story, the Christmas narrative found in Luke 2. And Mary and Joseph just are filled with anxieties and stress and fear, just like the rest of the world of their day. Look at, look at Luke chapter 2 with me. Let's start in verse 6. This is the Christmas narrative. It's where we find out who Jesus is, why he was born, and who he was born to, and where he was born. And the promise of God starting to come through in Luke chapter 2 as we see Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah being born to us. Let's look at chapter two. Let's look at verse six and listen to all the anxiety. Listen to the stress just in these uh, few sentences. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. By the way, there is Bethlehem. Uh, Verse seven, she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no lodging available for them. Now just think through the stress for a moment of Mary. I, I can't Think of one single woman that would say, sign me up to give birth to a child in a manger next to the animals, right? So there's stress right there. I got to do what, Joseph? I'm going to be where? Come on, my water's broke. This is going to, no way. She's ridden on a donkey, on the back of a donkey for miles to get to this place, to this town where she knows nobody. Like she's going to be introduced all of a sudden to all these future in-laws. Oh, that's always fun, isn't it? Stressful? No, no, not stressful at all, right? Everyone's judging her. Oh, and by the way, she's got this crazy story. Because they're not married. And Joseph is probably really nervous. Like, what am I going to tell mom and dad? What am I going to tell my grandma? What am I going to tell my brothers and sisters? What am I going to tell Aunt Myrtle about this? I mean, she's never going to believe that that God came down from heaven. And then somehow, miraculously, Mary is going to conceive a child. And that Mary is, is... pregnant with the child of God, not the mailman's kid, the child of God. How am I going to explain this away? And so there's all this nervousness. And by the way, why are they in Bethlehem? To pay taxes. And is tax season a fun season for you? And Joseph has all these burdens piled upon him. He's got this this young woman in his life who he's not even married to just yet, who is pregnant with, he hopes is a story that's working out. It really is God's son. He's all this nervousness. She has all this nervousness. And he now is at Bethlehem and he can't find a place to stay. There's no Motel 6. There's no Holiday Inn. There's nothing. And so he's tried every place, and someone out of the compassion of their heart just says, you know what? You two young people, you look like you really use a place to stay. I got a stable. I know it's not much, but it's good enough for the donkey. Maybe it's good enough for you guys. And they accept it. Hey, guys, these these two are, are young, and they're stressed, and they're worried, and they're they're, they're finally adulting for the first time, and it's got the better of them. And I know this room has similar kinds of anxieties, fears, stresses that exist right here. Same kind of things going on. Same kind of season, too. It's Christmas, and you've got anxieties, and your finances are nearly drained, and your, your emotions are shot, and, and you're so burdened to get everything right because you know that your in-laws are going to come to your house and maybe point out everything that's wrong, and you're, you're still trying to get lists together and packages packed and things, making sure that they're delivered at the right time and parties to attend, and you're, you're an introvert, not an extrovert. Parties are no good for you, and you got still things to mail off, and you're saying, hey, Jesus, Jesus, I thought this time of the year was supposed to bring me peace, peace on earth, 
but I ain't finding peace. I'm finding chaos. You know what God says? He says, I get it. Oh, is that what you thought God was going to say to you? He says, I get it. I, I get the overbooked schedule. I get the problems. I get the pain. I understand. You want to know what God understands? Because when Jesus was born, he was called Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is fully man, and he is fully human. And all those trials and those problems and those pains and those hurts and that overbooked schedule that you got and those people that need to be pleased, Jesus had those same kind of people, same kind of things in his life. And God says, I've been there. I've walked in those shoes. I get it. You don't have to tell me twice. Because God knew more than any of us, he knew that we would get wrapped up in worry, especially around seasons like this. God understood that our problems would overwhelm us and start to rob us of peace. That's why Jesus taught things like, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Did you catch that? In me, Jesus says, you may have peace. In this world, okay, there's an in me and there's an in this world. Jesus says, in me you can have peace. What's in the world then? In the world, you'll have trouble. I'll take Jesus for 200, okay? In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I love this phrase, I have overcome the world. That word overcome is a perfect active indicative. And you're saying, I don't know what that is. I didn't know what it was either until I read it in a book last week. So let me tell you my study, what I found here. That means I'm continually winning. He just didn't do like a one-time win. I've over, I beat the world, world's done, and now it's come back to like kind of on a you know, fourth quarter comeback. Jesus says, I've defeated, I continually defeated, I defeated your yesterday, I defeated your today, I'm going to defeat your tomorrow. Why? I'm an overcomer. I've overcome it. You know what you call a team that never loses? What do you call a team that never loses? A winning team. Jesus says, I'm on the winning team. Do you want to be on that team? Because in me, you'll have peace. But on that losing team, the world, you're going to have all sorts of trouble. You want to be on the winning team? <laughs> I do. I'll tell you why I do, because I, I can't win. I can't defeat this world. I can't defeat the pains. I can't defeat the problems. I can't climb over the disasters. I can't run away from my troubles. I've tried. You, I can't. Can you? I need, I need Jesus. And Jesus invites me to receive something that I can't get for myself and the world can't give to me. He says, in me, you will have peace, perfect peace. And here's what I'm, here's what I'm figuring out, is that peace is not what happens around you. It's what happens within you. It's not about the things that are around you. It's about what happens within you. Because the things around you, if you wait on peace to come from the things around you, you're going to be let down. And I'll tell you why you'll be let down. Because there will always be unavoidable circumstances. You, can't, you can take care of your body. You can eat all the vegetables and kale and take the vitamins and have the right exercise. You can still get sick, though, right? Like, unavoidably sick. You can plan for problems and disasters and setbacks, but there's always going to be something that's it's going to be unavoidable that you didn't plan about. That car's going to make that funny noise at just the wrong time, and you're going to say, i got to take it in the, to the mechanic. Or you're going to find on Friday, maybe one day, that there's a layoff notice in your box, and you didn't even see that coming. Or there's going to be a loss, a, a midnight phone call, and it's not the phone call you wanted to hear, and it's not about a person that you thought you were going to lose. It was someone else. There's a downturn in the economy, and you, you had no control over it. There are, those, are, those are called unavoidable circumstances. It's these hardships and these hurts that have the power to knock us down. But here's the thing. They not only knock us down. For some of us, they're so crippling, they knock us out. We give up on life. We fall into deep levels of depression, or we even start thinking suicidal thoughts. I'm out of it because I can't find peace. And Jesus knew. God knew. God knew that there would be times in life, especially like this, where we, we, we would pull away from peace. It would suck the peace right out of you. 
Here's what Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 20, he's called the weeping prophet. He's called the depressed prophet. Disaster will follow disaster. You ever feel like that? It's just one problem after another. So Jeremiah felt the whole land lies in ruins. In an instant, my tents are destroyed, my shelter in a moment. Like, I thought I had security. I thought I had a place of rest. I thought I had a roof over my head. It was gone just like that. Friends, you cannot presume. You cannot presume that peace can be found in what happens around you. It can only be found what happens within you. Because there's also unbearable people out there. You you ever met some unbearable people? You're like, yeah, um, I'm, I'm sitting really close to one right now, right? This last week, I was uh, at a drive-thru, uh, getting my, my fast food, and uh, the car in front of me, I noticed they were having like an altercation. Like, this guy was just hot as a hornet, yelling at the, the guy at the pay window. I couldn't figure it out, but then I started to hear about what was going on, and, and then the guy went nuclear on the little um, employee there, and then he, he pulled forward. Obviously, like, his food wasn't ready, so he had to pull forward. You've been there on that one? So I get to the window, and then the employee like treats me like I'm a counselor and he starts telling me what just happened and like I'm going huh, I don't want to hear this right now I just want to pay and go out get give me my whopper and I'll I'll leave okay um, and so I'm paying for my food and he's telling me that that guy complained that he waited too long to order then after he ordered he waited too long and now he's paid he's waited too long to pay and now he has to go and wait on his food even longer and I'm like, That's, I'm sorry, buddy. And I, I take the money, my change back, and I grab my food. I'm about ready to drive away. But this guy I notice in front of me, he's getting out of his car, and he is just like super hot, red-faced. And he's heading towards the pay window. Like he's going to hold up the drive through line. And I think, ooh, I can either leave right now or get involved. <laughs> I think some of you are laughing because you know me. And the answer is, get involved. So I decide I'll get involved. So I roll down my window and I hearken back to my days of growing up, right? Southern California, living by the beach days. And here's my line. Hey, man, be cool. (laughs) That's the best I could come up with. Hey, man, be cool. Which he decides to point World War III at me and fire some nukes my direction. And then I decide to summon all the maturity I can gain as a pastor. And I decide to lay on my horn and then drive away. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I get it, right? A lot of times I'm like, I will be the example on that one. Please don't take me as the example on that one. And you're going, who was the unbearable person in that story, right? Well, that's what I'm getting at. At times, I'm the unbearable person, and sometimes I'm the recipient of unbearable people. And you've heard statements like this come out of your own mouth that David had written uh, thousands of years before you. David said, they surround me with hateful words and fight against me for no reason. You're like, that sounds like my office. Because I got people like that in my life, and David says, oh, yeah, that's just people. There's unbearable people in this world. You can't depend on people for peace, but you can depend on a person, and that's Jesus Christ. You see, there's to be some people around you that just make life unbearable for you. They won't let you live at peace. They just, they won't allow that to happen for you. That's why the Bible says, as best you can, live at peace with them. Like, do the best that you can, because there's going to be some people out there who are just going to make sure you don't live at peace. Toxic people spreading their toxicity to pollute your life in hopes that you become toxic as well. Unbearable people are going to be there. How about this? There's going to be unexplainable Problems, unexplainable problems. Here's what I've discovered about Christmas, and it's taken me a long time to get there. Christmas is a magnifier. It's a magnifier. It magnifies the good, and it magnifies the sorrow. Oh, you know what I'm talking about now. 
when things are going well and you're having a good year and you got the bonus and you got the right gifts and you're having the right Christmas parties lined up, it's a really good Christmas, one to look back on fondly about. But when you've experienced loss, deep loss, it magnifies the tragedy. It's a magnifier. And it brings us back to these questions of why, how, could I have done anything differently? These unexplainable problems in life. Now, someday we'll be able to have all this stuff explained to us as believers. One day we're given the guarantee that every tear will be wiped away and we'll have the answers. And someone had said that the first words for the believer up in heaven are going to be, oh, that's why you did that. But we don't have those answers here right now. And a lot of us in this room, we're asking the wrong questions anyhow. We're asking the question of, why? Why, God? Why do I have to go to this problem? Why, God? Why was this person taken from me? God, why? And you know what? We'll never get the, we'll never get the answer that's going to satisfy us. We'll get an answer, but it just won't satisfy us. When we're told through the scriptures, the question we should be asking is, what? God, what are you teaching me right now? God, what are you teaching me? And we're given the promise that God says, I'll show you what I'm teaching you. I'm stretching your faith. I'm, I'm teaching you how to wait patiently. Remember, Jesus had that unexplainable problem in his life as he's on the cross, and he looked up to God, and remember what he said to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why, God? Unexplainable problems have the potential to pull peace right out of us. Friends, peace is not what happens around you. Peace is hap- happens what's inside of you. How about uncontrollable worry? Some of you guys are just, you just worry. Like you, don't, you don't know what you're even worrying about anymore. You're just, you're just a ball of worry. I was on a flight to Orlando a couple months ago, and I was waiting in the queue to get on the plane, and I wondered why there were all these little kids on this flight with me. It was just the strangest thing, and I realized, oh, yeah, I'm going to Orlando, Disney World, right? So I realized everyone's going to Disney World but me. I get to sit in a meeting. Great, fun. So I get into the plane, and I'm in the aisle seat, and I am surrounded by this family that's having a, a Disney World vacation, and they are super excited, you know, like everyone's got their mouse ears on and their family shirt that says first Disney vacation, and about 30 minutes after takeoff, I'm in the middle of it. Obviously, the one who'd planned it, this young lady, she hands out this five-page, double-sided, canary-yellow itinerary to everybody in the group. Five, five pages. I'm sitting next to the matriarch of the family, clearly the matriarch. She's got her bifocals on the tip of her nose. She takes a look at this, and she scans it for about five minutes. She's on page three, still on Monday, by the way. Page three, still on Monday. She looks up, and she verbalizes to me as if she can clearly tell I'm a pastor, and I want to hear this kind of stuff. She says to me, I'm just concerned we don't have enough time to get all this stuff done. It worries me. Lady, I don't care. This is your vacation, not mine. I didn't plan this thing, right? Like, don't make this my ball of worry. This is your ball of worry. So she starts, like, mother hinting this thing out, right? Like, hey, huh, sweetheart, yelling across me, I'm pretty sure we don't have enough time to do all this stuff. I'm, I'm a little worried we don't have time. And then she looks behind, hey, honey, listen, I don't think we have time to do it. Then she's patting her husband's hand, honey, I don't think, I think we've planned too much in too short a time. I'm just worried this is a good idea. She announces to the plane, I'm just so worried. <laughs> Clearly, she was worried. She's going to the happiest place on earth, man, but she's sucking the fun out of the, the plane, and no one's going to be happy that's with them, with her. Some of you are like, hey, that's kind of like me. I just, I should be having a lot of fun. I should be, things are going so well, but I can't stop myself from worry right now. I just can't help it. It's uncontrollable. Friends, worry is going to cripple your today, and it's going to ruin your tomorrow. That's what worry does. It, it, it's like what Jeremiah said. He said, 
We have heard the report of it. Our hands fall helpless. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm seized by this. I feel, I feel like I just can't do anything about it. Anguish has taken hold of us. Worry has taken hold of us. Like the pains of a woman in labor. Like you're just seized up by it, only concentrated on one thing. You're burdened by it, and it's painful to you. Like sharp, deep pains. Friends, listen. Uncontrollable worry about the stuff around you that you have no control over. You'll never find peace in the things that happen around you. Only peace that's found within you. And you're like, is peace even possible, though? Yeah, peace is possible. But peace isn't found in a season. Peace is found in the Son of God. It's not about what's around you. It's about what's within you. It's not found in the season. It's found in the Son of God. And when Jesus was born, the darkness split into, into light. And the angel showed up. And then a heavenly host showed up. And they broke into song and the proclamation of heaven was this. Stay in Luke 2. Look at, look at verse 10 with me. Do not be afraid, the angel said. I bring you good news. Good news, friends, is nothing to worry about. That will cause great joy for all the people. Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. We're now in verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly, suddenly a great company a heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, now, I want us all to read verse 14 like we're a bunch of angels. I know we're not, but let's, let's just read it like we're a bunch of angels together. I know you may have a different translation. Just read it boldly. Here we go. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Did you just hear what we all read together? On earth peace. On earth peace. You go, that's where it came from. No, no. On earth peace, where to continue? To those on whom his favor rests. A promise that is conditional. You want peace? It starts with God's favor. Huh? You want peace? It starts with receiving God's favor. One translation says, on earth, peace to those who have God's favor. Because God's favor equals peace. So the question should really be, not how do I find peace today? How do I find God's favor? How do I receive God's favor today? That should be our question. How do I receive God's favor? Not how do I find peace how do I receive God's favor? Let me give you some ideas. Number one, if I'm going to receive God's favor, I need to rely on God's pardon. I need to re or rather receive God's pardon. from God has a pardon that he's, he's waiting to, to give to me. And when you have like habitual sin and you're hedged in by habitual sin and you can't seem to overcome it and there's guilt that's coming on, friends, guilt can be one of the biggest stresses of life. Something that you've done in the past that hasn't been forgiven, or you can't even forgive yourself, unresolved forgiveness, and you keep looking back to the past and you can't figure it out, you can't make it right, there is nothing that you can do about it. And I'll tell you, this is a great promise that God gives to us, great promise that God gives to us in John chapter 14, verse 27. Here's what he says. I am leaving you with a gift. Love this. What's the gift, Jesus? Peace of mind and heart. Oh, that's great. I love that. And peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Oh, the world can't hand this out. You can't get this at CVS. So don't be troubled or afraid. You say, what's found at CVS? A lot of pills that claim they'll give you peace. What's at CVS? An aisle of liquor that says, if you drink every drop, you'll have a little bit of peace. Friends, that's not where peace is found. Peace is found... Trusting in God, receiving his favor and saying, I accept the gift, the gift of peace. I'm going to receive God's pardon. What's a pardon? A pardon is something 
that bails you out and wipes the slate clean. You're saying, what do I need a pardon from? Your sin, my sin, the unwritten rules, the spiritual rules, rather, the spiritual rules that God has made that we've broken. You break one, you've broke them all. God says, we've all broken them. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And I need God's, I need God's peace plan in place, his pardon program, so that my sins can be overcome by the one who can overcome them. That's Jesus, not me. See, Jesus, we're, we're rather, God tells us that we can not only have our sins forgiven, but we have the guilt of our sins forgiven. That's a big deal. Because some of you are plagued not by your sins. You're, you're, you're plagued by past sins, the guilt of your sins. God says, you come to me, you receive my, my pardon program, Jesus, and, and I'll, I'll give you peace. But you've got to receive it. You know, in 1830, there's the old famous case about George Wilson. George Wilson's case went all the way up to the Supreme Court. He was involved in, in a murder and a robbery of a U.S. mill uh, carrier and the U.S. Uh, mail by stealing it, and he was sentenced to be hanged. And for whatever reason, Andrew Jackson decided he was present at the time to pardon George Willis or George Wilson, and George Wilson refused the pardon. And so they didn't know what to do. Like prison officials were like, "Well, he's he's due to be executed at noon. Like, what do we do now?" So they ran it all the way up to the Supreme Court, and by like a real famous Chief Justice named Chief Justice Marshall, he made this decision. Here's what he wrote: He said, "A pardon is just a slip of paper." The value of which is determined by the acceptance on the part of the person being pardoned. If it's refused, it's not a pardon. Therefore, George Wilson should be hanged. You've you got to accept this gift, you see, this pardon. It's not like a blanket pardon. You've got to accept it, and by accepting it, you accept Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 puts it like this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Oh, peace with God would be something to have, wouldn't it? Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Friends, i got to receive God's pardon program. To to find God's favor, too, i got to run to God's presence. Listen, this is a discipline that I have to pull myself away from things and to focus away from the problems and take my time to focus on prayer. Did you hear what I said? Take time to focus away from problems and focus in on prayer. Prayer isn't reminding God that you have problems. Prayer is reminding your problems that you have a big God. And many of us, we're just neglecting, we're failing to run to God's presence, especially this time of the season. We're so busy, but it is the quickest and fastest way to find peace. So set up some margins in your life. There's one thing I do well. I don't do it great all the time, but I've been kind of trying to master this in my life, is is just to find time to do nothing. You guys like, I knew it. He was lazy. I knew that, right? I knew that about him. But there's a couple times in my day you can see me just staring out the window of my office. And what I figured out is I do better when I've got like about 60% of my week where I'm told what to do, where to go, who I have to call, and what meetings I have to be a part of. But there's about 40% of my week that is on me, and I get to figure that out. And I get to prioritize faith, family, friends, however I want to prioritize it. And I figured out that if I can just kind of stare off and I can look at God's creation out my, my window, I can start to pray. And you know what it does for me? It's just like a stress reliever. Like, there's a God out there. He's bigger than these four walls of my office. He's bigger than my brain. He's bigger than all the things I can figure out or sum up or, or put together. There's a, there's a bigger God out here, and he loves me, and he trusts, he trusts me and cares for me. There's a lot of things I don't have control over. And I can look out that window, and I can say, you know what? That squirrel that just ran across, God cares for that squirrel. That bird that just flew over, God cares for that squirrel. That that squirrel's not worrying. That bird's not worrying. When's the last time you just looked out your window and you prayed and you said, God manages all this. 
And he cares for all of this. Certainly he cares for me. Why worry? I encourage you just to start pulling away from your busyness. Friends, busyness is, is not a badge of honor. Don't wear busyness like a badge of honor. You know what busyness is? It's really a label that is telling the rest of the world and your friends and your family that you have no control over your life. That you don't know how to prioritize. That you don't know how to schedule. That you don't know how to keep things in order. It's not a badge of honor. A badge of honor would be, I have time for you. A badge of honor would be, I've got time for God. A badge of honor would be, I'm able to make a difference through serving. I'm a difference maker. A badge of honor is, I've got bigger things in store that go beyond me, not just the busyness of my life. Maybe just turn off your radio, drive down the street, and pray to God with your eyes open, please. Because I know how you say it. Well, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to pray. I love how Bill Hybels sums it up. No, you're too busy not to pray. So Isaiah says, the Lord gives perfect peace to those whose faith is firm, consistent, Perfect peace to those who have consistency, who have a firm faith. Peace isn't found in a season. Peace is found in the Son of God. How do I receive God's favor? Well, I just need to start respecting God's principles. How about that? Like, let's just start here. Let, let me just let me put it to you bluntly, right to the point. Some of you aren't experiencing peace in your life as a believer because you aren't respecting God's authority in your life. Like, you know his commandments, and you know what he says about sin, and you know what he says about living with someone who's not your wife, and you, and you know what he says about sex before marriage, and, and you know what he says about the pollutants of your mind with pornography, and you know what he says about substance abuse, and he knows what he says about gambling, and you say, I don't care. And then you come to a place like this, and you go, why is God not giving me peace? And I'll tell you why. Because you are out of favor. You have not respected God's principles. You get to respect in God's principles, and, and like Andy and Carrie testified, we don't have a dramatic story. We've been faithful to God. God's been faithful to us. We're learning now just to trust him with our today. We have peace. What a great testimony. I think it starts with meeting the most basic principle that God has laid out for us. The pathway to peace. Receiving Jesus. And some of you don't have peace today because you just have decided that for whatever reason... You're just not going to be baptized. You're not going to be immersed into Christ. You're going to go at it your own way. You're going to go at it from a different teaching. We clearly know what the scriptures say, and you just say, I I'm just going to do something different. And God says, you're not going to obey my teaching? You say no. Well, why do you think there would be peace? When my kids don't obey me in my home, guess what happens? There's not a lot of peace in the home. Find peace today. Find that pathway. Come to the Lord. Run to him. Respect his principles. And then lastly, to receive God's favor, we got to start relying on God's provisions daily. Relying on God's provisions daily. Is there anything too big for our God? You know what the answer is? Nope. Nothing is impossible. I love the Apostle Paul who went through all sorts of problems and trials and pains, and here's what he testified. He said, don't worry about anything. <laughs> yep. Yeah, right. right. Somehow he didn't. Uh, we went and visited his prison cell in Rome. As he waited for execution, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Okay, I get it. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus.
You know, oftentimes we put too much energy worrying about things that we have no control over. So how about today? Let's do what the Apostle Paul has taught us to do. Why not put our tomorrow into the hands of God today? God, it's yours. There's a lot of things on my plate. It's yours. I know I'm going to have to do some things because I've got to do some things. But the worry that's on your shoulders, your shoulders are big enough. Let this be the season that you look back on and you can clearly say, maybe for the first time ever, this is the first season of Christmas, first time ever, I, I actually gave it over to God and said, it's yours. You remember, the, you remember the story of Moses in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus? We're introduced to a guy named Moses, and Moses is... Uh, Filled with regret, filled with hurt by the time we see him in Exodus chapter 3. He'd already murdered a man and tried to cover it up. He's on, he's on the run. And God catches up with him. God catches up with him by being a bush that's on fire but not consumed. Strange way to show up, but it's miraculous. It got Moses' attention. And Moses walked over the bush, and, and the bush started to speak. You know, And Moses is just first terrified. Then he realizes this is God. Then he realizes he's on holy ground. And God begins to say to him, Moses, I know what you did in your past. I know what you're doing today. And Here's what I've got planned for you tomorrow. And the tomorrow stuff freaks Moses out. He gets really nervous about his tomorrow. And he starts sitting there and saying, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. I don't, I, I'm limited here. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And God says, I'll do it. You just walk through tomorrow. And do you remember what Moses asked God? He says, what's your name? Who do I tell them is doing all this good stuff in my life tomorrow? And God gives him this name, and he just says, you tell them I am sent you. King James Version puts it like this, I am that I am. And that's how Moses left and took on us today, saying, God's got this. I am. I am has this. You're saying, well, what's the repercussions for me today? What God was telling Moses was, Moses, whatever you need, whatever you lack, I am. I've got it. How about for you? You got financial troubles and you need some provisions today? God says, I am. He is. I got this. You depressed and need some joy today? God says, I am that. I'm the one that brings joy. I'm the one that oversees and supersedes depression. You need some peace for your soul? God says, good. I am that. I've brought peace through my son, Jesus. You need some family today because your family has hurt you or you need some friends today because your friends have abandoned you. God says, I am that. Jesus is your friend and I am the perfect father. I am your family. I am that. I am the thing that you need today. I just think, what is it that you need today? What is it that you need? What is it that you need? God says, I am. I got it. I am the provider of that. What do you need him to be in your life today? You got a child that's rebellious and you don't know how to reconcile that and you don't know how to put all that past stuff to bed so that you can have a future together? God says, you come to me. I know what it's like to have rebellious children. I am that. You got a marriage that's falling apart and it's rocky and you're not sure if there's a future. God says, you come to me. I will restore broken marriages. That's what I do. I am the one that restores. You need direction for your life. You need some purpose. God says, I am that person. I know how to give purpose. I am the God of purpose. You're saying, I'm stuck in sin, God. I don't know how to break it. I'm hedged in by habitual sin. God says, I'm a friend to the sinner. I am the one that lives liberates. I am the liberator. I am the forgiver. I am the savior of the world. I am what you need. I am the one, God says. Yeah. 
Friend, listen, there is nothing, there is nothing in this world that it can happen to you today or tomorrow that you and God can't take on together. And the way to receive peace is to receive God's favor. And you do that by receiving God's son, Jesus Christ. Because peace isn't found in a season. Where is it found? Peace is found in God's son. And if you're looking for peace today, and if you haven't made Jesus Christ your savior, I'm encouraging you today to give your life over to him, to be immersed into Jesus, and to rise again a new life, a life in God's favor, a life and a pathway to peace.